Hey everybody, Aaron here. Welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. And today I just wanted to come on and do an intro leading up to our final episode of our Kingdom Advancing Good Lion Theology class. This particular episode, it's just the class. There's no discussion for this one, but we still hope that you appreciate the content and that it helps you on your journey with Jesus. I wanted to let you know that the content we've been making in this theology class is available in video form as well. We actually filmed all of these lessons and filmed discussions with our students to be not just audio podcast, but video podcast as well. Our heart in making this content was we just wanted to create free, helpful resources for the body of Christ. Our thought process was we wanted this to be used by church leaders and youth pastors and young adults leaders. And so if you're looking for a great discussion starter or something to play for your small group or your youth group to lead into a discussion that you could lead with them, we'd love for you to consider using our content. Again, totally free stuff that we're developing for the body of Christ. We spent a lot of months working on this. Turns out that producing video content is a lot more challenging than producing audio content. But we're really excited with how it turned out. So if you would like to check out the video series, you can do a couple things. You can go to goodlion.io slash kingdom class to access all of the videos. Or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can find that on YouTube by searching for Good Lion Theology. Quick note, by the way, since we're dabbling into YouTube, there is actually another group called Good Lion on YouTube, and uh, they have a podcast that they have sometimes called the Good Lion Podcast, but it's not us. This is a totally different group. If you search for just Good Lion on YouTube, they're probably going to pop up. If you want our stuff, search for Good Lion Theology. If you happen to stumble upon this other group, you if you if you're if you're a fan of our show and our content and you take five seconds looking at their channel, you're going to be able to tell that uh, it's not us. Their content is uh, vastly different from ours. I'll just leave it at that. They're not a Christian group. They are something different. <laughs> so yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, we are on YouTube and you can check us out. Just make sure you're finding the right Good Lion channel. Good Lion Theology. That being said, we are really hoping that you enjoy this content. We are hoping that you share it with other people. And we're actually building a brand new website right now called Good Lion Ministries. That is all about the ministry work that Brian and I and some of our friends have been doing for the last few years with this goal of helping people everywhere walk with Jesus, think deeply, learn to be peacemakers, learn to navigate a complicated culture. All of that will be coming soon on our brand new website and you'll find a great place to see all of the stuff that we've been working on, including this Good Lion Theology Kingdom class and other classes that we've made in the past that you might not know about. So yeah, we're very excited to show you that. But for now, enjoy the episode. to the final lesson in the class on advancing 
the kingdom of God. Well done. <laughs> Good on you for making it through these. Um, the, the last lesson that I want to leave you with, my final point, is the kingdom of God advances through love and not through fear. You know, we, we live in a culture that is often defined by fear. A lot of times that manifests in this idea of worshiping the twin idols of safety and security. This idea of, I don't want to do anything that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do anything that puts me at risk. I just want to go to church and have God bless me. I, I want God to bless my life, my marriage, my, my work, my job. Everything just needs to be Good. And so I'll give God my time and a little bit of money and then he'll bless me. That's how it works. Oftentimes that's that's how we think. And so because we view Christianity primarily through this lens of the kingdom of God is about my best life now, even if you're not a prosperity gospel Christian, you're still very susceptible to this idea of God exists to advance his kingdom and making your life and existence as best as it can possibly be. Oftentimes it's this line of thinking and reasoning that pushes us to live the Christian life from a posture of fear. I don't want to do anything that could rock the boat. A few years ago, I read a story that really challenged my view and thinking on this concept. So many of you guys probably are aware of the Syrian refugee crisis. So recently in our country's history here in the States, we had a surge of Syrians who were trying to get into the country. They were coming as refugees, and many of them said that they were fleeing terrorist groups like ISIS, trying to get out of their country and, and come here for more safety. And in the news, when the news was covering this topic, a lot of the rhetoric that I heard was very fear-based. It was this idea of how can we let these refugees into our country. What if one of them was a terrorist? If even just one was a terrorist, it could be destruction for our entire country. And if you had a bowl of jelly beans and you knew that one of them could be poison, would you eat the entire bowl of jelly beans? And, and things like this. And you know, I'm not I'm not here to make any sort of political statement uh, about this, uh, but I'm I'm commenting the the point I'm trying to make is a lot of the mentality around this focused on fear, safety, and security, which from a human standpoint made sense, this idea of self-preservation and protection. But what was interesting, I was reading a Christian magazine and there was an article in there that was done interviewing a actual Syrian pastor, not an American missionary, uh, an, a native-born Syrian pastor who had a church in a community that was under the threat of attack from ISIS. And so in this interview, uh, the pastor was basically stating what he told his church. And he told the church, listen, guys, I know that there's a big chance that ISIS could attack our community. I know that there's a huge chance that we could potentially lose our lives to ISIS. But I am challenging you, don't run away. Don't go and flee to America. Don't go and flee to Europe. Stay here because when the darkness gets darkest, that's when the light needs to be the brightest. And if ISIS comes to our town, there are going to be so many hurting people who need to hear the gospel. There's going to be so many people who are going to need help. And so we should stay here and, and be a light in the uttermost dark of places. And this just like... 
this just floored me when I read it. I, I was so humbled and I was like, oh my gosh, like who, who am I to look at this situation and just view it through this lens of my own safety and security? I felt like the Lord spoke to me and, and, and my heart was, you know, no matter what the American government does or doesn't do, for me, what I need to do is pull my head out of the political, secular way of thinking about this and I need to pray. I need to pray for these people. I need to fall on my face and just stop thinking about myself and, and pray and say, Lord, protect these people. Help their church to grow. Protect them from ISIS. Do miraculous things. I need to be praying about this. I need to be praying that God would send missionaries over there, that God would send help and protect them. That's where my heart needs to be because the kingdom of God is not just about me or my family or my country. The kingdom of God is about Christians all around the world. The Syrian guy, the brown-skinned Syrian guy uh, who is a follower of Christ is more of my fellow countrymen than the non-Christian guy next door here in Oklahoma. We can live in America or Syria and have that be our country of origin, but our citizenship is the kingdom of God. And so it was just this challenge to me to focus on God's kingdom and not my kingdom. It was, it was very humbling thinking through that. The hilarious thing is I actually ended up sharing that story with the church that I was a part of. I was preaching that Sunday, uh, filling in for the senior pastor, and I, I brought up that story in a message about love over fear. And it was so funny because after the message, um, this guy came up to me, this, uh, this old, old guy, and he looks at me and he goes, man, I really, really, really enjoyed that story about the Syrians. Uh, I really liked what you had to say. And I was like, oh man, I'm so glad that touched you. And his response was, I agree. They need to just stay over there, those Muslims. And I was like, uh, first of all, not Muslims, Syrian Christians. Uh, second of all, he completely missed the heart of the story. And, and the reason for that, I think, is it's just our, our default mentality is we hear what we want to hear and we read the Bible through this context of it's all about my safety, my security, my best life now. A, a huge problem is our culture is afraid to show love. We're afraid of what it'll look like. We're afraid of what the consequences of our love will be. I always think of Jesus who literally was hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors, not because he was compromising, not because he loved their lifestyle, because he saw them as victims of the true enemy of their souls. And so he spent time with them and showed them love, not to affirm their sin, but to call them out of darkness and into the kingdom. But currently we have a Christian culture that is so afraid of sin that often we won't get close enough to actually love the sinner. And listen, I think it's important to note this has to be done with care. You have to have a missionary mindset if you're going to do this. As a youth pastor, as a former youth pastor, I had students who had this mentality of, oh, I'm just gonna go hang out with sinners and just show them love, but they weren't prepared. They, they weren't spending time with the Lord. They weren't training their soul. They weren't getting to the point where it was like, I'm going into the depths of the darkness to pull people out. Instead, it was, I'm just gonna go hang with sinners. And quite often, more often than not, this led to moral compromise and eventually backsliding and drifting away from the faith. And so there has to be this balance of truth and love, this missionary mindset that is combined with this attitude of, I am going to prepare my heart 
to be this missionary. We have to fight for balance. And balance is so, it's so key right now because what I am seeing, especially on social media circles right now, is there is either a, a push to focus on the Jesus of love and to completely throw his commandments out the window so Jesus doesn't care about what you do. He doesn't care about your sex life. He doesn't care about your obedience to him. He just wants to love you. And, and then you have people on other sides where any instance of bringing up God's love is met with, well, you didn't mention wrath enough. And it's this idea of we need to reinvoke this idea of the fiery, uh, almost uh, Greek mythology god of Zeus, you know, throwing down fireballs and thunderbolts. And, and it's just, we need, we need balance. We need to understand that, yes, God is a God of judgment, but he's also a God who went to a cross himself and died for sinners. Um, for, for, I remember one time I was speaking about God's love and, and, and I had somebody on social media basically accuse me of universalism which is absolutely false. I would never advocate for universalism, not because I think it's evil, but because I just don't think it's true. This idea that Jesus will save everyone and that there is no punishment for sin, I just don't see that reality in scripture. And so for me, it is because I believe the fate of those without Christ will be so sad that I'm motivated to love. And it's because I believe the future of those with Christ will be so amazing that I'm motivated to love. I want people to see the kingdom. And so I am motivated to show them the love of God that saves them from the destruction of their own sin. We, we, we do this as a culture. We put fear above love because we, we love our teams. We love our allegiances. We, we love our allegiances to things like class and race and politics and even religious denominations. We allow these things to divide us. We allow these things to cause us to hesitate to love others because we're afraid of how it will make us look. I remember a few years ago, there was a shooting in Orlando at the Pulse Gay nightclub. And I just remember learning about this and being horrified that someone had gone in and shot up this nightclub. But I also remember basically the pundits and politicians jumping on the story as they always do with every story and just making it political. They, they made it either about Muslims or about guns. I also remember the silence from so many evangelical Christian leaders. I did not see many Christian leaders standing up and saying, this is so sad. Our heart is broken for these people, for this community. There was this, this silence. And I think, honestly, a huge part of it was because it was a gay nightclub that got shot up. There was this hesitancy to show love and support because of the sexuality and the sexual sin of the people affected. I'll be honest, I, at the time, I was a youth pastor, I even myself was pondering, do, do I say something about this? And there was this, this fear of, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm being political. I don't want to be misunderstood. Now, at the time, I was actually in Seattle, and my wife and I were visiting the church of a friend named Justin Thomas. And Justin, after he preached that Sunday, actually said to his church, hey, there's this rally uh, 
that is sort of a vigil for the people who died in that shooting, and I'm inviting our church to be a part of it. And so I thought, oh, wow, this is interesting. I think, I think we'll go to this. We'll go check it out. My wife and I showed up to that vigil. I was shocked because it was, it was, it was not what I expected. I was expecting something small and intimate that Justin's church was putting on. And instead, the vigil was actually run by the community. And so you had Justin's little church in one corner, but we were standing in this big field with representatives from all over different communities. Uh, you had many people there from the LGBTQ community. Uh, you had people there from the Muslim community. And, you know, it was interesting because they were getting up on the stage and sharing perspectives from the LGBTQ point of view, uh, from the Muslim point of view. You had people standing up and saying, hey, listen, I'm a Muslim and what happened was wrong. And like the rest of us Muslims don't support this. And the whole thing took me aback. I was standing there and I felt like a fish out of water. It wasn't this Christian event put on by Christians. Instead, uh, as a Christian, I was there as a part of the overall community. And the Lord just spoke to me in that moment because I was wrestling with this thought of, should I be here? I don't, do I belong here as a Christian? And I felt the Lord just overwhelmingly speak to me. Yes, you absolutely belong here. Standing with these people doesn't mean that you're affirming every single sin that they're involved in. Just like when you get up and preach on a Sunday at a church, you're standing with those people and you're not agreeing with every single sin that they're involved in in their own life. No, instead, you're standing with broken people. You're standing with people and saying, hey, I am a Christian. We may not agree with everything on every issue, but I'm here to say I love you and I care. And the, the Lord just had to break me of this idea, this, this fear of being misunderstood, this fear of if I get too close to people that I classify as people who are in sin, then I'm going to be associated with their sin. No, the Lord was helping me understand that is exactly what Jesus did. He came and he associated himself with people who desperately were broken and desperately needed him. And so often what we talk about and the way that we view others is based on the politics of the kingdoms of this world. I am convinced that the politics of the kingdom of this world, the broken left-right divide, is for those of us here in, in my culture and context, the number one perverter of the way that we see the world, the way that we see people, and the way that we see the mission the gospel. So often it puts us in this mentality of us versus them. And Jesus would say to us, listen, they aren't your enemy. They're, they're lost. And what do you do with a lost person? You lead them. You lead them to the truth. What if they don't follow Jesus? Some will. Some will. And that's the point. We're called to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. But very often we do a bad job. I think of, you know, uh, for those of you guys watching, you know, who are really into social media and you've got a curated social media account, you know, every picture is the right color and spaced out perfectly. You've got your aesthetic just down. Would you reach out to a middle schooler, a sixth grade boy and say, hey, I want you to be in charge of my Instagram account. Uh, would you hand that duty and responsibility over to that sixth grade boy? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because he would absolutely ruin your account. <laughs> um, the reason I bring up this analogy is because 
that is sort of precisely what God has done with us Christians. Uh, he has this mission, this perfectly aesthetic, amazing mission of the gospel, and yet he hands the account over to us. And very often as Christians, the way that we act on social media is just like a sixth grade boy misrepresenting your social media account. We are unkind, unthoughtful, and very often taking a posture of trying to fight non-Christians instead of trying to reach non-Christians. And I will continue to preach that we need to reevaluate that and we need to re-strategize how to reach people in this current moment or really any moment. You could be watching this video a hundred years from now. The, the truth is still the same. We need to relate to the world, not through fear, but with love, with the love, the supernatural love of Jesus. And, you know, you, you might think, well, there's so many issues. There, there's so many things in the culture wars that we have to fight. We have to go out and stop evil. And yes, where we can, we should stop evil. But just consider the problem in Jesus's day of prostitution. Is prostitution an evil industry? Absolutely. How did Jesus fight prostitution? Were Jesus and the 12 disciples standing on the side of the road, holding up signs, picketing prostitutes, saying, shame on you, how dare you, how could you? No, Jesus fought prostitution by spending time with prostitutes. He wasn't afraid of how he was perceived or what people thought of him. He had this reputation of being a drunkard, which he wasn't, a sinner, which he wasn't, but he spent time with drunks and he spent time with sinners and he spent time with prostitutes. And he didn't care about how it hurt his reputation because his goal was to love them into the kingdom. Not to say, oh, prostitution's fine. No, he fought the institution of prostitution by leading prostitutes away from the bondage of that life and into this kingdom where they were accepted, not because of what they could give people sexually, not because of what a man was doing to control their destiny or to pimp them out. No, he led them to a kingdom where they were accepted and embraced and loved despite their past sins, despite the sins that they had done and the sins that had been done to them. He called them out of the kingdom of darkness and he did it through this insane love that I honestly feel we have lost so much of. We have lost this love that is willing to go to crazy dark places, not caring what we look like for the sake of being a missionary to a dark and lost culture. Now at the time period, if Jesus could have had a vote, if there was an election or a vote and one of the votes was to shut down the corrupt institution of prostitution and to uh, shut down the men that were manipulating these women, would Jesus have voted against that? I, I think yes, I think he would have. So what I'm not saying is, you know, in our modern context, you know, we should throw political engagement out the window. That's not what I'm saying. But so often for those of us here and now, we focus so much on the political engagement, the vote, that we forget to reach out and love the people who are affected by those things. And I think that needs to be first and foremost. We can't put the cart before the horse. I'll close with this quote from... Glenn H. Stassen. He says, when you pray that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven, envision conflict being resolved, marriages and families healed, 
truth told, and people faithful to one another, initiatives that break through the vicious cycles of retaliation, and love that creates new community among people through forgiveness, reconciliation, and peacemaking. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? It's so, so good. We're called to be this kind of community, this kind of kingdom. So I, I hope this class has helped you. I hope it's helped you think. I hope that it's pointed you to a better vision of advancing the kingdom of God, of moving God's kingdom forward. And so I just want to end this class by leaving you with the beautiful words of the song, Build Your Kingdom Here by Rend Collective. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church, and we need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives. For you are joy and prize. To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church, and we pray revive this earth. Build your kingdom here, let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire, win this nation back. Change the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. Amen.